Good morning and welcome to High Haven on WNHH Radio, program about everything Jewish in our community. Malachi Kanfer makes our community sing. He's the cantor of B'nai Jacob Synagogue, where he will be officially installed. He's been there for years, but now he's going to be installed, which I understand is a big deal, on Sunday, November 12th. That's right, Paul. With a cantor's concert, and you're installed here too, with a host of Jewish congregational musical leaders from far and wide. And he has an album out as well. Well, we're going to hear all about that in this uh, episode of High Haven. Malachi Camper, welcome to the WNHH studio. Thanks for being installed with us today. Hi, Paul. It's awesome to to be here on the program. Okay, did you happen to notice what music we're playing? Um, I didn't know you were getting a quiz. I didn't know I was getting a quiz. Local Jewish and African-American music. Afros, the Afros. Semitic experience. Do you Semitic know what tune experience. it is? It's hard to tell now, but at the beginning, if I quizzed you then, it would be easier. It's I don't something know. you lead people in singing sometimes when they're lighting uh, braided candles at sundown on Saturday. Abdullah. Right, so what do we sing at the end? Um, Hanavi. Eliyahu e- Hanavi. Yeah, that's what that is. It's fantastic. <laughs> Fabulous. You pass. You're welcome. <laughs> so thanks a lot for coming in. So, Malachi, tell me about this big event coming up. I've been hearing about it. It sounds wonderful. On November 12th, Sunday, November 12th at 3 p.m. at B'nai Jacobs Synagogue at 75 Rimmon Road, there's going to be both an installation and a concert. What's that all about? Sure. Well, um, the installation is where I get officially um, installed at B'nai Jacob, which means... You know, I think that, you know, I'm like installed into like a glass case in the wall or something. And I just have to stay there forever. And then people put nickels in the machine and you uh-huh. sing. And I sing, I wave my arms, <laughs> I do push-ups. Um, the installation, as I understand it, is when a cantor or a rabbi comes from outside of the synagogue and they come and say basically how blessed the congregation is to have this person in particular. And also... Um, to treat him well or, or or to treat her well and then they say a blessing and that's what an installation means sounds pretty easy doesn't sound grueling yeah doesn't sound like the orals to defend your thesis for a phd no it's super easy so um ozzy schwartz who's the cantor um at park avenue in manhattan who was uh, a coach for me in school and a mentor for me in school and a friend is coming to um to install me at b'nai jacob ozzy's an amazing cantor. He's sung with the Pope. He's uh, he's a really uh, he's a he cool guy. He sang El Male Rachamim Rachamim. Yeah, at a service. Forget what it was for. Um, Sounds like a good guy to have install you. Yeah, and it's gonna be a big event. Yeah. In addition to installing you, they're gonna um, have a lot of cantors sing from other places, right? Right. So there are. <clears throat> I have. 10 cantor friends who are coming in from all along the East Coast, friends of mine who were who I was with in school, friends who I met elsewhere. Um, and they're all coming and we're going to sing a lot of things. They're going to be ensembles um, and people will sing individually. Um, and, um, and we'll have fun. It won't be a long concert because Define we're expecting... <laughs> Remember, you, you, well, you, you, you sing a at uh, high holiday services so right. long is a relative term that's a good point um because we're expecting some kids will be there and we want kids we're aiming for a little over an hour oh excellent and you yeah. can have a lot of different people come up and sing right mm-hmm. now, are they gonna take turns or are they gonna do like an all-star jam band like live um aid or something so both both 
um, we'll both take turns. We'll also have some big ensembles, and and um, one ensemble in particular at the end will include two um, choirs of uh, of the churches in Woodbridge. Yeah, in Woodbridge too. Um, and also, don't you have a choir from Benet Jacob? And a choir of Benet Jacob so that Malachi, has just begun. How old are you, Malachi? I'm in. Uh, I'm. So sorry, Paul. By the way, just for those of you who are out there and listening, I have a stutter, so you know I do the best I can it. on the, I've heard you sing, on the radio. You never know. <laughs> um, um, I'm, I'm two eight. Twenty eight. I'm twenty eight, right, man. Yeah. Now this is very interesting to me because I've seen you sing. You're fantastic. Thank I've you. seen you in small settings. I've seen you lead a. Uh, a minion in a person's home. I've heard you sing at the uh, the great um, services before High Holidays when you had the community conservative service at uh, at B'nai Jacob. And I would have never guessed you had a stutter. Right. And so a cantor, you have a stutter and yet you pursued a career singing. So do you never stutter when you sing? I don't. And so I, I've had it almost my entire life. It began when I was around eight. And um, it's something which has been... Um, a challenge most of my life. Um, and it was especially um, hard in high school, I think. And um, one of the reasons why I went, I, 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 I went into opera um, and I went to college with plans to become an opera singer. I Oberlin, went to, right? Yeah, I went and to Oberlin um, in, in Ohio too. Um, where? On the east, uh, in the Columbus area on the okay. east side. So you grew up in Columbus. You had this stutter, yeah. which I'm sure it's it's hard for anybody to grow up. There's yeah. always something about growing up that we say we wish we could change or say, gee, it makes my life hard. <laughs> you had a legit thing. You had stutter, right? Mm-hmm. But you said, I'm going into opera. How right. did that happen? A guy well, so look, I don't, I, I, I don't have it when I sing. And so it's this amazing, it, especially at the time, it was this amazing healing thing in my life where... I joined uh, my high school choir my sophomore year of high school. It was the first time I'd sung in my life. I'd played the violin since like I was four and I was excellent at the violin. But um, I joined my high school choir and it was, we were in my high school, we had this choir that, you know, won all kinds of contests in, around Ohio and we went on a tour of the Czech Republic and um, Austria and it was a really great choir. Um, and it was just this healing thing where I found all these friends and, um, um, now, before you signed up for the choir, did you have a did you have a stuttering moment? Meaning, did you say, "Well, if I have problem speaking with stutter, should I go into music?" Or did you already know that when you sing, you... I think I I always knew. And how um, did you discover that? I I don't know. You know, when I was a kid, I, I was raised Orthodox, and I was always in I was in shul with my parents every week, and so I would, by mom went into the men's section, right? Th- yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, or at least on the other like side of the room, right? Yeah. There were like was it the, the men only on the right see side. That there are women, yeah. yeah. Okay. In the upstairs, anyway, there were there were two kind of congregations in the same building, and my mom was often the downstairs with the more ortho- more orthodox. But anyway, um, so you already were in shul. You already were singing. Yeah, so and I was in shul, and I would sing, and I would come home from shul, and I would dab, and I would like repeat the services you know, and dab and bow. Like I'll find that there are. Um, snatches of daily or weekly service that i will be singing without realizing it while i'm cooking it really stays with you it does it's sort of a life soundtrack yes 
And, and so was that your favorite part of Shul? It's always been my favorite part of Shul. I mean, the, the singing. My favorite part of Shul is the singing. And also, I think there are two parts of Shul, which I love. It's the singing, and it's also the opportunity to think about and talk about really important things like um, life and death and illness. And to illness. stop without a cell phone. To stop without a cell phone. And not only that, but to um, to just be able to speak about these things with a community of people who are interested in important things too, right? It's really and, special. And, and to be launched on that conversation with words that we've honed over centuries in that quest to yeah. say, why are we human? I mean, That's it's what I love tapping really, into really cool. Point. Yeah. So you liked Shul as from a kid. So you, Yes. It, although I had a long break where I didn't uh, attend Shul. From when to when? I had... A bar, oh, so you, the, a, so you had the bar mitzvah. I had said, a bar this, mitzvah this, this where I like no, no, no. I like I led all the services. I read the whole Torah portion, and um, I don't think I entered a shul again until my freshman year of college. I was twenty years from my bar mitzvah till the shul again. Really? Why? I felt it was so meaningless. <laughs> I loved religion <laughs> and I loved being Jewish, but I didn't relate. Unlike you, I couldn't lead the whole services. Did half Torah, and I thought the party was like vapid you know sort of like yeah nice but sort of like is this what religion's about it doesn't seem sincere yeah and then i rediscovered it through my kids i can't i enjoy i think almost nothing more than going to shul <laughs> i go almost every day you know <laughs> to fill it in the morning i mean it's amazing how that comes around you know it is amazing so music is where you found your voice as a jew is that a fair way to say it i think it's a fair way to say it yeah you i come mean come home singing and what was there a moment when you said when you were aware of the fact that you don't stutter when you sing? Because you, you say you stutter, but most of the time you don't stutter when you talk from what I'm observing. So I would imagine that it doesn't immediately become noticeable to a kid, hey, I'm not stuttering when I'm singing, does it? No. I think um, the severity of the stutter evolved over time a little bit. And so like, was there a set time where I was like, oh, I don't stutter when I sing? I don't think so. But um, uh, it was a really cool thing for me. And so you found it in shul, but you decided you were going to opera. Tell right. me about that. Um, How did a nice Jewish so, boy from Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> who went to shul every week, decided to be decide to become an opera singer? Um, so I, I, I wasn't involved in shul for a long time. You know, I was raised Orthodox, um, but I felt like... Um, I felt like the reason why I left Orthodoxy were a couple reasons at the time. Um, I was at an Orthodox school and I, I remember I would ask questions about God. Like, I don't really think, you know, the God in the Bible is, um, that it makes sense. I don't believe that the Torah is, you know, in an Orthodox school that doesn't fly, especially, but especially <laughs> like in the second grade, right? Third grade. So I let, I left the shul. And Whereas the conservatives, we saw, what a great kid. They're thinking about the big issues. Let's talk some more. What a Jew. Without a doubt. <laughs> Without a doubt. So it's a real shame I was in that environment, right? Yeah. Although definitely have great yeah. skills in Hebrew and davening because of it. But um, anyway, I think I, 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 I tossed the whole thing out, basically. Um, so, so after your bar mitzvah, you didn't go back to so shul? So I didn't go college. back. And I, Did you and still I, say I'm Jewish? Did you still observe Shabbos? Did you still keep kosher? Yes. Because, Interesting. Well, I, I lived in a kosher home. I lived in a home that... Uh, that was observant. So and now hanging out with your buddies at McDonald's. Maybe not till the very end of high school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're hearing the revelations here on High Haven, where we're getting behind the scenes with Malachi Camphor, a great uh, cantor who lives in New Haven. 
and he is going to be installed at a congregation that already cherishes him, Vinay Jacob in Woodbridge on November 12th. We're talking about his evolution as a cantor who found his voice, if you think there's a fair way to say it, as a, as a boy going to shul and singing and loving the music. And then as he, like just about everybody in humanity, started questioning what he was raised with and became an independent on his way to adulthood being, he decided he wanted to go into opera. At what point did you say, I want to be an opera singer and why? It made sense. Like I, I sang in my choir, you know, on That's right. you said and, and we went on these tour went on these tours in Europe and I, I got to sing on my own, like in cathedrals and these amazing places in Europe. And I was like, Oh, this makes sense for me. And um so I went to Orbun, which is a, a, a conservatory, it's a great school. And um and yeah. Is that part of Oberlin University? The, the college, yeah, it's a combined institution. Over so you in college, like, so Oberlin. you did hippie studies degree and you did opera music. Um, I did not. I took a lot of classes in the college, <laughs> including like economics one hundred one, one hundred one, and one hundred two. For I had a hard time with that. For course. what reasons, I have no idea. I don't know why. But um, well, you thought to be economical in your uh, phrasing as a cantor. No, yeah, kidding. maybe. So you went to opera. You said yeah. I'd be an opera singer. But what but, was it about opera? Why not like a heavy metal band or a power pop balladeer i have the voice like i have that kind of voice like that's a voice that comes out the of me in a voice. very natural way yeah i have a big voice and did you listen to opera much growing up no so when did it get to opera you're singing this choir you even taking trips abroad which must have been really fun well look paul it was the opera was it was a hard thing when i was first at Oberlin. i had only been taking voice lessons for maybe half a year maybe a year and, you know, most of my colleagues there had been involved in voice and singing and competitions and blah, 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 since they were like eight, right? The guys, the girls, everyone. And so it was a bit of a shock. You know, I think they, they took me because, um, you know, I have a big voice, I have some talent, but um, it was a shock and it was hard at first. What was hard about it? It was hard um, to be with people who had much more experience than I did. And at a conservatory, there's a lot of competition. And in high school, you like sang- Like only one of us in this room are really going to be making it to Pavarotti land and it's not going to be you, pal, that kind of thing? Yeah. Not, it's not like out loud, but it's the undercurrent. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, when I was in shows in high school, I was in a lot of musicals in high school and- uh, and it was just the best thing in the world to be on stage with your friends did you who you love. Did you speaking lines? I did. And did you ever stutter when you were acting? Um, yes, although um, I was able to handle it pretty well and manage it pretty well. Were you nervous about that before the first time you had to deliver one? You have no idea. But, but you did it. You know what? You did course. it. Of course. You know, you live through life. You have fears. You keep on going. That's, uh, and you tackle them. That's very cool. But anyway, the cantering thing happened because... Um, we're encouraged to do a concert at our hometown at, in our hometowns when we're off of breaks from college. And um, so I did a concert at my childhood shul. And the president of that shul was a guy named um, Eric <laughs> Fingerhut, who's now the president of Hello International. He's Can a I super. his name. I see him. I like to. Yeah, he's here. a super cool guy. And he was like, hey, Malachi, we think you should be the cantor for the high holidays so Ooh. i think and malachi it's not malachi malachi yeah malachi and why is it pronounced different from the prophet that's how the, the prophet's oh, it is pronounced malachi? yeah okay. malachi. 
it's a, it's a huff yud with uh with the e. an e vowel yeah. under the chaf. Okay. Never knew that. Learn something new. Malachi. Um, so yeah, and so I taught myself how to do it, and and, and my that's mom. A, that's a big me. job. Learning high, the uh, days of all liturgy. It Yom is Kippur a big and job. Hashanah, and that's and you're going starting Friday night. You got um Kol Nidre, which I noticed on your website, and folks, there is a Malachi Canfer website. Yeah, and uh, you have on there a um a uh, audio file of you doing uh Kol Nidre. So you do hours that night. You get up the next morning, and you're leading services all morning until like one or two afternoon. Most places take a little break, and then you go on all the way and kneel until seven. Yeah, you learned all that while you're in college. I learned all of that in um, a couple months. Um, and how'd it go? It went really well. I was I was a hit. Um, and so I think after that, I began to go to. Uh, Hillel at Oberlin, and it was just the best so thing in the world for me. So you found your way back to Judaism. Is that what brought you back to Judaism? Yeah. Now, so you, this was Eric, Eric Fingerhut at your Orthodox synagogue saying, come do the uh, days of awe. So, the, or, you know how I said earlier that there was upstairs, people who died in downstairs? So the downstairs people left, oh, and they formed um, another shul. And the shul which stayed was... It's, um, a conservative shul that leans right. Conservadox. Yeah, it's conservadox. So the shul, so it was a, the shul a conservadox changed while shul. you were in college. The shul changed when I was maybe in high school. Wow, so while you were searching, your congregation was too. Yes. And so it came back, and now you're at a conservative shul where men and women are allowed to look at each other and stuff and sit <laughs> <Yeah>. together <laughs> and sing, hear each other's voice without yeah. thinking they're going to you know, turn into pillars of salt. And so you came and you found your way back to Judaism. What brought you back? Was it leading the services or was it the changes in your congregation? Was it changes in Malachi? What brought me back, I think in particular, was um, Hillel at, at Oberlin and Shabbat at Oberlin. I wandered into a service one, one evening on a Friday night. And, um, you know, I went in there and uh, the music is so beautiful. And, you know, I went in there, I sang and I harmonized and... I met lots of people and it was a beautiful thing to, um, I didn't have an, the most easy time in college for a lot of reasons. And um, it was a beautiful thing to be um, at the service and have that just be a time of the week where and it college, was pure. You need a place where you feel like you're off the hook and you're with yeah, other people and, it, and getting it back to your spirit. Right? Yes, that's exactly right. So and it was a great Shabbat service. And Shabbat dinner, or? yeah, and a meal afterwards, and after, and you know, and I don't think I missed the Shabbat at Oberlin from my sophomore year on. Like oh, I wow. was, so you were back in the tribe. Yeah. At what it, point did you say, "Never it, mind opera"? I'm in my own way, it. in my own way. Like I, I didn't start. You know, I wasn't um, eating at the kosher kitchen or still going to McDonald's. I wasn't eating at McDonald's, but I wasn't. <laughs> he, I wasn't at the kosher kitchen either. You know. Although there probably um, were like vegan kitchens and houses to eat at, right? There are. There's a lot of, there are many <laughs> options. Yeah, you're pretty safe with vegan. Yeah. Right? Depending on how strict you're going to be. So at what point did you say, well, it was nice to know you opera. I'm going full force to Cantor. So at some point I had been doing the high holidays in Columbus for three years or four years. I forget how long. Um, and um, at the same, at the same time I was heavily invested in opera I performed in a lot of operas at Oberlin. I, like I, I, I gained a lot of skills. Like I got good. I was able to compete with my friends and get and get roles and get jobs. So, um, um, yeah. Um, so, at what point did it switch over to I'm going to be a cantor? 
I think one day I woke up and decided that like um, it wasn't, it was much more important to me. Like that the experience that I, the experiences that I had as a cantor in a community um, were uh, great experiences and experiences that I loved. And Tell I loved me about one of those. Just the high holidays, for example, in Columbus. Um, it is uh, the opportunity to lead a community in prayer and try to to think about the wants and the desires and the needs of everyone there. And um, and how is that different from performing in an opera? And, and to channel all that into prayer. So in an opera... Um, it's just not the same thing at all. Like in an opera, often like like the things that I'm thinking about um, right before a show are like, is my high G okay? You know what I mean? And like, I don't care if my high G is. It's not the most important thing to me in the world. I like care if people are feeling okay. I care what's going on in people's lives, right? I don't care about the high G. It's not important. So, um, I mean, it's nice to have a good high G. So while but, like, you were still cares? in college, you started Cantor. Uh, it was really at the, so I worked for the Hill at Oberlin the year after I graduated from Oberlin, um, in the summer and then afterwards. And, um, it was at that point that I decided to invest in, to become a cantor. Right. Yeah. And he, we're hearing all about that on High Haven, the story about everything, show about everything Jewish in our community at WNHH Radio, your home for community radio, one of people on 5 FM live streamed at newhavenimpen.org. Erica Velasquez writes in on Facebook live. Hey, Cantor Camfer, Eric of Alaska. It's good to <laughs> it's good to hear from you, Erica. <laughs> yeah. Erica is um, a cantor in training, and really a cantor um, at, at JTS in Manhattan it's a Jewish Theological Seminary. Yeah, because is where I seminary. was just invested. And we're gonna get to that in a minute. But would you like to take a break, Malchay, and sure. sing us something that you sing in shul that you particularly you talked about it being more meaningful, if you don't mind my paraphrasing to be doing cantorial singing as opposed to opera singing, that rather than worrying about your high G sounding okay, you're thinking about the wants and needs of people who are joining you in prayer and how to channel those wants and needs into prayer. Is there one particular prayer you'd like to sing as part of that uh, helps you feel that way? Let me think. Um, you know, there's one prayer um, in particular that I love on the high holidays. Um, that's actually, it's not about the needs of the congregation. It's a personal prayer. Um, but it's one that I love because it asks God um, to open the lips and mouth of me in order that I can praise God. You said it right at the beginning of the Amida. Um, it's uh, uh, that's what we do it once. Open. Oh, lips. It's at it's at the it's um right at the introduction to malchiot on, on, uh, oh, on Rosh Hashanah. I'm, I'm talking about the daily prayers we have to open our mouth to. <gasps> but it's the same idea. Yeah. Same idea. Same so, idea. Yeah, so sing that one. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. All right. Hope I remember all the words. It's okay. We're not going to check you. Eshalamimenu manelashon Asher bikalam Ashir auzon Abiyar danot Be'an mifalam 
לאדם ערכי לב ומאדוני מנה לשון. That sounds great. Yeah. All right, Malachi Kampfer, giving us a taste of what you hear when you go to the high holidays at B'nai Jacob Synagogue in Woodbridge, where he serves as the cantor and will be installed on November 12th. Now, Samalchi, you went to, it was it the year after Oberlin that you went to the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York? Yeah. And you saw, to go in the cantorial program. Yeah. Was it straight out of there that you got the gig at uh, B'nai Jacob? So, yeah. What happened is that um, I was doing a program in Israel right before I went to JTS to work on my Hebrew. Um, and um, after I was in Israel, I was completely broke. <laughs> Like I had no money and I didn't have an income. Um, and so I was looking, so there's a posting for jobs at JTS um, of jobs, which are available. And um, the one at B'nai Jacob was, believe it or not, uh, paying the most of any other job that was available. And I was like, well, got to go for that one. I really don't have any money. Um, and so I did. I also had a new rabbi. Right. So, Jacob was such a great place because they moved the Shabbat service right into that wonderful smaller chapel. As at any shul, I feel overwhelmed to sort of the big sanctuary. It doesn't feel as intimate. And I think the best chapel I've ever davened in is the chapel of B'nai Jacob. When my kids went to Ezra Academy there, I used to, the year after my dad died, I went every day to the morning service there. And, and you know, the light coming through those uh, stained glass windows, and it's just intimate enough that you feel like you're together with a community and sort of in the same vibe. Without a doubt. So um, you had a new, and a new, a lot of new energy with that rabbi. They had a wonderful rabbi before, but the new one, Rosh Shapiro, is really terrific. Yeah. And they had just lost the rabbi, the cantor had been there for how long? Josh Konigsberg. Twenty nine right? years. And he was like a that. fixture. Yeah. So you came in, and the time you were a pitcher, like twenty four years old, and yep. you're coming in step to fill to replace someone who had been there for a long time. Yeah. A lot of people weren't happy he was gone. Right. How do you step into that position and not just like be chased out of town a week later? Probably a lot of chutzpah and arrogance. Really? Uh, or is it just no, the opposite? No, I'm just joking. I'm um, guessing it was the opposite. I think... Or maybe I'm wrong. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It, um, I think that there was still and probably is still um, a lot of pain in the congregation over Josh. And... Um, As I understand, he left because he officiated us at a mixed um, religion wedding and right. some people thought therefore you can't be a role model i always hated that part of organized religion when they uh yeah um that's just but in any case that's a side so you had to walk into that yeah um did they ask you that at your interview like would you ever officiated a mixed they no they didn't no look right. i was on the the interview process was um i sent in a recording and then i had an interview with the rabbi um which was great and we immediately had a good uh kind of connection and rapport um and and that was that so how did it go so how did you make sure that you could replace a person who's very popular and feelings are raw um i think i had a lot um i you know i came in with a lot of skills um i had been the high holidays cantor already for a long time at another shul um i davened a lot already so I think that helped a lot. Um, and um, I think I always try to, I mean, I don't know, I always try um, 
what can I say? I, I, I have grown to care a lot about the people at B'nai Jacob. And I've noticed I, how seriously you take it. And I hope it shows. A few times I've observed you, you really care about what you're doing. That's so obvious. And it's great to have a young person, I'm sure, in any congregation come in to bring new energy, to yeah. bring that kind of commitment, makes it, renews the uh, purpose. Yeah. And by the way, Jeanette Coven oren writes in, Malachi, Malachi is a wonderful addition to our New Haven community. <laughs> we are so fortunate he has chosen to live here. All right. And Karen Jarosso also joined in. Thanks hey, a lot, Jeanette. Karen Jarosso. So, uh, Nice to hear from you. So you came to B'nai Jacob four years ago. So why is it only now, right? Is it four years ago? Yeah, yeah. Why is it only now that you're quote unquote installed? Is this sort of like the hazing period? I think it's because I just became um, invested at JTS in May. So for this entire time. What does invested time, mean? It's the same thing as ordained. Okay. It's the same kind of idea. Um, so I was just um, invested or, or ordained in May. And um, so it's a sort of process where for a few years, congregation seeing, is this going to work out? I don't, I don't think Do we it was make that. A longer term commitment. No, I don't think it was that. I think it was, you know, I wasn't like there full time. I was, I, for a while had an apartment in Manhattan and had an apartment here and was going back and forth. Wow. Um, is it a full time job now? Yeah, it's a full time job now. I'm also the, 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 uh, Ed director of the Hebrew school, which education is education director. Oh wow! Which is now a combined Hebrew school with Or Shalom, which is yeah, um, wonderful, a, a awesome project. Annabelle Malibago Klein writes in, "We love Malachi Case. You got fans out there." <laughs> so tell me a little about that. So what you do at the shul? So you lead what a weekly um, Kabbalat Shabbat and mm -hmm. Shabbat morning services. Yep. Do you lead daily services at all? Or um, yes, uh, yes. So you have to get up and out every morning from new haven not every morning only a couple times a week like thursday the major yeah and do you go to ezra to ezra academy which has a school there at the shore right um i have helped out there with a couple of things in the past but it's not it hasn't it's um it's a relationship that i hope will continue to grow and prosper there aren't that many shuls around here that have a full-time cantor and a full-time rabbi some shuls don't even have full-time rabbis right i mean the only other shul you know <clears> um cantor arthur at Mishkan Israel, like lives in, in New York a lot of the time. but So um, you're not just leading services, which is a big deal, but you're also, you said, the education director at the Hebrew school. Mm -hmm. And what's that, just on Sundays or during the week too? So we have Hebrew school on... Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesdays and on Sundays. On Sundays, it's um, a combined thing with Or Shalom at the JCC. Oh, okay. Um, on Wednesdays, <laughs> we uh, are in, independently at B'nai Jacob. All right. And then you're also, you t tutor B'nai Mitzvah students. I do. People for their bar and bar mitzvah. I that, do. that takes time. Um, anything else that's important that you do there? I think, you know, um, I'm involved in, in ensembles and choir and a choir at B'nai Jacob. Um, but but the, the most important work, among the most important thing, things, probably the most important thing which I do at B'nai Jacob is, um, you know, uh, is, uh, is being at the hospitals and hospice and, um, and being with people in times of need so when they're ill. So you're a clergy person. Yeah. So did you, so you're trained for that, right? Just, I am. JTS doesn't train just cantors. They'll train rabbis and scholars, you know, who are, those are scholars too, but who are just for a pure person scholars. How much training in that did you get and how important was it, the pastoral training and the um, textual? It was um, the most important part of my education at JTS. Um, and JTS is a great school if anyone is thinking about going there for cantoral school 
or rabbinical school, just a plug for JTS. But um, I think the most important part of my education at JTS was was the training in that. Um, and actually, we did. Uh, I did like an internship kind of at the VA hospital um, in, in West, West Haven. Haven as a chaplain. And, so tell um, me about a moment since you've been here where that training came into play. A visit you made to a big home visit or a, a, a minion at someone's home for a um, cottage or what was a, or, or at the shul where you really said, oh, I learned that at JTS and now I'm putting it into practice. I think um, what the training and chaplaincy, what it gave me was the ability to um, ask the questions that heal and to hear those questions in a healing way um, and to give me, you know, it's not, it gives you, um, a technique of some kind so give to me an talk example. to people who are in need. Not names, but tell me someone you visited, what happened, what you asked, what you think they asked. Oh, man. Um, I, you know, so if you go and, and see a, a person in hospice and, and they look afraid, right? And... As a chaplain, you try to um, intuit the emotion that the person is feeling and to reflect it back in a way that they can process. Um, and so, you know, um, once you can get the fear out there and the open in the conversation, then the person is able to talk about how much they can still feel, how they are afraid, but they can still feel the, the love of their kids around them. So and the what love about of a question? Their, Think of a, give me an example of a question you asked once where that unlocked it. Um, it it's not a complicated question. It's like, hey, um, I, I'm getting... Uh, it, uh, I can, uh, I'm thinking that you're looking uh, 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 afraid. Is that true? Okay, that's a good question. Um, yeah. And a person... Starts with the I statement. Yeah, yeah. When a person is able to talk about how they feel, it always improves their mood and allows them to uh, open up into the world. We did a test at, at, at the internship where like, you know, if you ask a person at the beginning of a con of a conversation, how they feel on a scale of one to 10, right? And um, they say like four, something like that. And you have a conversation where they talk about, oh, in fact, you know, I'm having issues with my wife and blah, blah, blah. And my kid hasn't talked to me in two years and it's really hard. And, so, and they go through and talk about things that are hard for them, which are on their heart. That's something that I ask, like, what's the kind of thing that's on your heart? What's on your heart? What's the most important thing that's going on with you right now? And um, anyway, once a person can talk about that stuff, if they're feeling anxious, if they're depressed, whatever, their mood will rise every single time. And right. like you can test it, you know, it's amazing. And that mood is rising here on High Haven. This <laughs> radio is programmed about everything Jewish in our community. You're listening to Malachi Kanfer, the uh, 
Cantor at B'nai Jacob Synagogue. He lives in New Haven in the Goatville section, and they're going to be honoring him with Cantors from all over coming to sing here on Sunday, November 12th, an event not to be missed. In a few minutes left, Malachi, I wanted to ask you, what we talk about the other aspects of being a Cantor, but it does begin with the music, which for many of us is our doorway to religious expression and community. What is the role of a cantor musically in a congregation, and how has that evolved or changed over the generations? Are you a performer? Are you a leader? Are you a spark? Are you a harmonizer? Right. Um, so I think it's all of the above. It's, a, it's an awesome question. I think it's all of the above, and it depends on context and what you're trying to accomplish in the moment. But um, in the musical role of the cantor and in the prayer leading role of a cantor, um, I think there are two main things with which I try to do. Um, maybe three, I don't know. Think about it as I go. So one main thing is to create like an environment, like to try to create a space and an environment that feels holy, right? So if by the music, which I'm helping to make, um, and a person walks in and they're like, oh, this is a new kind of space. This is where I can pray. That's a super important thing. Um, another important thing that I try to do as a cantor is I try to, um, to think about the needs of the congregation at the moment and to, um, try to be, uh, try to include as many of the feelings of the congregation that I can um, into prayer and into the music and try to make it an inclusive experience. Um, and I'm also trying to get everyone to sing too. I think when you can sing as a community and sing with friends and sing about important things, it's um, unbelievable. That's the universal truth. Whether yeah. it's the civil rights movement or you're in shul and trying to connect with your soul, it, yeah. it opens up the whole truth. It opens up our humanity, yeah, and it's kind of harder to be petty or uh, chasing after stuff that's going to make us feel bad. Yeah. So before we uh, leave, do you want to give one more prayer you want to sing to uh, give us one more taste of what you'll hear November? Uh, what you'll hear on November twelfth. You know what? So um, I'll be singing a song in English by a guy named um, Ansel Ansel Johnson. I forget his last name. Um, but um, it's just a song that I'll, I'll have a, a guitar on the you play guitar? I play guitar. I meant to have it here. I forgot it. It's okay. Um, so um, twelve string or six? Six. So you do play blues notes and something because I know it's the twelve. You can't really bend the notes to play bluesy, right? I, I haven't played a. I don't think I've played a, a twelve. The one time very I tried often. a twelve, I realized you can't bend the notes or get muddy. It's like the the different yeah. instrument. Yeah. 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 But there's that kind of Dan Fogler kind of strummy angelic feeling you can get with the with, with the 12. 12 string yeah 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 um so I'll, I'll, I'll sing the first verse in the chorus of it Excellent. assuming i can remember all the words and this is kind of like a response to the prayer which i will just have received from ozzy who's installing me so may this blessing that you've given me be a healing for the soul Hallelujah. And this body that you've given me be a bridge for young and old. Hallelujah.
Stay the lion and the lamb, the black and the white, regain their sight and see what they've been missing in their lives. Let the lion and the lamb, the black and the white, lie down peacefully and finally learn to come. To love the things they're furthest from. Alleluia. Alleluia. All there. right, Malachi Canfer. Hey, um, we just heard from another listener who wanted to slap me down for making unfair comment about separation of men and women at um at syn- at Orthodox synagogue. Interesting. A very good point. I think this person is right. I'm not going to say his name only because I haven't heard back from him about whether it's right to use his name. I just want to say what he wrote because I love when when listeners and readers set us straight. Your comment about separation of men and women during prayer in orthodox settings so they don't see each other and turn into the pillar of salt. You should know better. Visual separation is a debated element that is more common among right-wing ultra-orthodox groups. That is not the normative modern orthodox perspective and many such synagogues are arranged to respect the long-established tradition of separation without visual impediment. It's a good point. This was a famous... uh, Question asked of Rob Moshe Feinstein in his answer that visual impediment was not required influenced the design of many American Orthodox shuls. Beaker Holm is a perfect example with the top part of the 60% 60-inch 60, uh, mechitza glass. You can certainly see women in most of the balconies of older synagogues, although some do indeed have lattices that are a partial visual impediment. Either way, with respect to your personal preference for the recent history of mixed seating of liberal Jewish movements, that wasn't a kind or complete and fair comment. I totally agree. Thank you for that wonderful statement. And um, I'm sorry I made that comment. And I'm remembering when I once, you know, the year I was St. Kaddish from my dad, I do love davening Orthodox synagogues, even though I'm conservative. I often find it more intense davening. And I remember I was traveling a year in St. Kaddish from my dad and needed to go every day. And I went to an Orthodox synagogue in Chicago where at first I said, wait, don't they have mixed seating? And it turned out they just delicately put these potted plants sort of at the middle of the pews where they were a separation up to your hips and there were couples sitting next to each other on either side of that potted plant. And I, not only do I thank the listener for sending in that comment, that's really a great point about how we're all trying to finding the way to connect with Judaism, connect with our souls, connect with each other. There isn't any one way. And what's great is that we're engaged in the search. And uh, Malachi Canfer is engaged in that search and helping guide us as a cantor at B'nai Jacob Synagogue. Thank you so much for sharing song and wisdom and personal experience here on High Haven today, Malachi Canfer. Remember everybody, if you want to hear more of what you just heard Malachi sing, if you want to hear a bunch of other cantors from all around, you want to head over to B'nai Jacob Synagogue on Sunday, November 12th at 3 p.m. That's at 75 Rimmon Road, where Malachi is going to be installed at the synagogue that's become his spiritual home where he's a leader. And there can be cantors from all over, not just welcoming him in as a cherished member of that community, but sharing their songs as well. But thanks for joining us today um, um, on High Haven, the uh, WNHH. I want to thank Malachi Canfer for sharing with us. And uh, don't forget the concert. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience, performing I Wish I Knew How I Would Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book it with us all week long here at WNHH. 
your home for community radio.